Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Do Podcast. I am your host, Corey Evans. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's show. Before we get right to the details, I had a five-star written review left by Chris Hammerschmidt titled Worth a Shot. This is a great find. If you play Dynasty football, then you have to listen to this podcast. No if, ands, or Jake butts. <laughs> Appreciate the review. It's a good play on words right there. And your review is much appreciated. You all know the drill by now. If you leave a review, five-star written, you get that shout out on the following week's program. Episode 249 is titled Week 11, Regular Season Over or Underachievers. Five names to discuss during this week's show. Before I get to it, quick reminder to check me out on Patreon. It's where you get access to a bonus episode per week in addition to the ability of direct messaging me whenever you want and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Only ask for a dollar up front. You're charged the pledge amount per show. Great way to support me as an independent podcaster and also the Dynasty Dude Podcast. First player that I want to break down this week is Justin Herbert as an overachiever. Sixth overall pick out of Oregon, was not expected to start as a rookie, at least from the get-go, but was forced into action week two after Tyrod Taylor was administered a pain injection that accidentally pierced his lung. Crazy story, and really it was essentially the end of the Tyrod Taylor era in Los Angeles and the beginning of one for Herbert. Herbert has since run away with the quarterback job for the Chargers, and he's been spectacular in real life and for fantasy football purposes. How about five 300-plus yard passing games to the tune of 311, 330, 347, 326, and 366? Not to mention seven games with two or more passing touchdowns, three, four, three, three, two, two, and three. He's been incredibly reliable week over week with a spectacular ceiling that very few quarterbacks offer in the fantasy landscape today. How about Herbert completing 68% of his passes, 2,699 yards passing, a 22 to 6 touchdown interception ratio entering week 12, essentially a full starter sample size only outside of week one, a 39-187 three rushing line, and three or more carries in eight different contests, a safe rushing floor. He's a surefire quarterback one in Dynasty and behind only a few names in startup value, in my opinion, those being most notably Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Then things get interesting with Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Herbert himself. It's crazy how quickly Herbert has catapulted himself in that tier of quarterbacks, that being the cream of the crop in fantasy. Yet here we are. Herbert has been remarkable and overachiever, if you will, for the sake of this episode, ever since stepping foot on the NFL gridiron for Los Angeles. On film, Herbert moves well in the pocket to avoid incoming defenders. That was evident from his Oregon tape. He keeps two hands in the football, a lot like Joe Burrow does, in the sense that you don't have to worry about ball security. He's always thinking a few steps ahead of defenders, has great vision, makes good decisions, and a cannon for an arm, or is even capable of tucking the ball and run when needed to offer that versatility, which is a huge edge and bonus when it comes to overall fantasy points. The skill set that Herbert has and is showcasing weekly is the makings of a star in the NFL and fantasy. We're seeing it happen in his rookie campaign and the supporting cast in LA, even without Austin Eckler, when he returns, it's going to be even better, is benefiting because of Herbert's presence. That being most notably Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, even at times Jalen Guyton. How about Kalen Balage, Hunter Henry? The list goes on and on. Herbert has been an overachiever. I think it's more legit than not. And as I mentioned, he is skyrocketing in most dynasty quarterback rankings and accordingly so based his production over the Chargers' first 11 weeks of action. 
Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's been an underachiever. The near consensus rookie 101 in ADP and 32nd overall pick out of LSU is not having a bad season, but it's not up to par with his pedigree or draft hype. How about a 140, 655, four rushing line, that's 4.7 yards per carry, and a 29, 232, one receiving line with 45 targets. The volume isn't terrible. It's just not what we were expecting for a player of this magnitude. Only two 100-yard rushing performances under his belt as a rookie, 138 in week one and 161 in week six. He does have that being CEH, double AG PPR output in nine of 10 games played for Kansas City. That's at least good for a consistency point of view. Single digit touches in week seven, eight, and nine. His dip or rookie wall this season, it came when Le'Veon Bell joined the Chiefs. How about exactly 69 yards rushing or fewer for CEH in eight different games? The ceiling is simply not there for him this year. He does have a safe receiving floor. Once again, though, a low ceiling in that regard. A minimum of one catch in every game, a maximum of six so far in one game, though, on the flip side. The good news, if you're a CEH owner in Dynasty, he's only 21 years old. Plenty of time for him to live up to the offseason price tag and earn more and more of a workload in this high-octane Kansas City offense. The concern I have for this year, rest of season, is his lowest PPR output stands at 6.1 and his highest PPR output stands at 20.9. Therefore, CEH is more of an RB2 than RB1, even on his best week of the season. Now, bigger picture here, players I would sell to acquire Clyde Edwards-Alaire right now, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper. Outside of that, you have upper tier options ahead of him at running back and receiver that I would not trade for him. And on the flip side, you have players behind him that you can try to shop. But realistically, those are the main pieces it's going to take to trade in order to acquire CEH from his current owner. That or a 2021 first plus. Most people realize that Le'Veon Bell isn't what he used to be and that he's brought in for a veteran presence, depth, change of pace option for Edwards Alaire, and the Chiefs wouldn't have spent a 32nd overall pick on him if they didn't believe he is going to be a feature back for quite some time. If Damian Williams is back in the picture next year, that could cloud this backfield a bit, but I am of the belief that, yes, CEH has been an underachiever to this point, but I want to buy that dip in production or perceived value and benefit from it the rest of this season if possible, but for sure next year once he has a full NFL offseason at his disposal. Stefan Diggs, he's been an overachiever, really surprising the campaign he's having. I've been a Diggs fan, but I tried to sell high this offseason. Some of those trades backfired on me. I didn't see this coming consistently week over week for Stefan Diggs. He's 27 years old later on this month, so he's reaching that territory and dynasty where do you just go ahead and ride out the rest of his prime, we'll say 27, 28, 29 to 30, or do you cash in and sell for a premium? Something you have to decide based on the familiarity and comfort level of your respective roster. Anyway, Diggs this year, a 73, 906, four receiving line with 101 targets. His previous career highs entering this year were catches at 102, yards receiving at 1130, touchdowns at nine, and targets at 149. He can very easily eclipse the receptions, yards receiving, and perhaps even targets with Buffalo's remaining schedule in 2020. Even more, Diggs, double-digit PPR output in all 10 of Buffalo's games so far this season. Uber consistent, high floor, high ceiling, very few players can even have that accolade next to the name this year, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Diggs is one of them. Six or more receptions in nine different contests, that is a testimony to his safe floor, 
four 100 or more yard receiving games, 153, 115, 106, and 118. That represents his high ceiling. Five double-digit target games. He's been a funnel of this offense for Josh Allen routinely, and that's why he has 101 targets already through Buffalo's first 10 contests of the 2020 campaign. Now, looking a bit further, just beyond the short-sightedness of this season, Diggs is under contract with the Bills until 2024 after they made that trade with Minnesota. They do, however, Buffalo, have a possible out in 2022 with a $3 million dead cap hit. Now, that's still two seasons away. Not much to be concerned about in the interim. Just something to keep top of mind if you are a Stefan Diggs owner. He is locked in as a wide receiver one for the foreseeable future. My only concern for his value is the amount of comeback routes that he runs. I watch a lot of Buffalo Bills football because I have a lot of shares and exposure of Josh Allen and Diggs. He's known to be a great route runner, probably one of the best in all football. He's always coming back to the football though. These routes aren't what we saw in Minnesota. It's more of a dink and dunk approach with Josh Allen. It's working. My question is, how long will defenses allow it to happen? I get there's other moving pieces on this offense. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Josh Allen himself, John Brown, Cole Beasley. Right now, Diggs is benefiting from volume, which is what lacked him from succeeding annually in Minnesota. So I think that Diggs is overachieving. He's been an overachiever. I think he eventually bottoms out to more of a middle of the pack, back end, wide receiver one, if not strong wide receiver two. If you want to sell high, do so for a player that's very close in value, or at this point could probably get multiple 2021 first round picks. For some context, I had Diggs in multiple leagues, one of which I had throughout the course of this season. My team fell to the playoff race. I actually traded Stefan Diggs straight up for DJ Moore, almost a four-year difference in age. So I wanted to buy back those years of production. And I think it's pretty fair across the board. That's a realistic way for you to approach a Stefan Diggs owner. And or if you are that owner, look to shop him for that kind of return if you're not competing for a title in your specific league. But yes, Diggs has been an overachiever. No other way to really round it out at this point. DK Metcalf, another overachiever. He will be 23 in December. A 48-862 nine receiving line with 77 targets to date. Eight of 10 games with double-digit PPR output. Four more catches in seven different weeks. Four 100 or more yard receiving games to the tune of 110, 106, 161, and 108. His output has been heavily tied to scoring touchdowns. Nine trips to the end zone on 48 catches is not sustainable, yet Metcalf seems to do it almost every single time he touches the football field. At least five targets in nine of Seattle's 10 games to date, which means that he has a safe floor, but his ceiling is also increased weekly because of the consistent target share. He's averaging an insane 18 yards per catch. Metcalf is known for the big playability. This year, though, the route trees expanded. The county stats are up, so he's breaking out before our eyes. He already has taken a substantial sophomore leap comparison to his rookie output. Remember, a 58 900 seven receiving line, 100 targets. He's going to more than likely eclipse the reception, yardage, and already has touchdown mark. Targets are going to happen in a matter of time as well. A lot of the dynasty community has labeled DK the overall wide receiver one moving forward. For me, he's in the conversation. I'm not ready to 100% rank him in that threshold because we've seen some down weeks already. And if he doesn't find the end zone, he's not as reliable or consistent as other big names at receiver like Hopkins, Thomas, Adams, etc. I like to see more consistent counting stats with less reliance on those touchdowns. And then I'll feel more comfortable ranking DK Metcalf as the wide receiver one overall dynasty, no questions asked. But until we see that, whether it be this rest of season or a full calendar year, 
I'm just concerned that the nine touchdowns on 48 catches is not a sustainable feat. I get it. You're tied to Russell Wilson, a high passing volume offense, but more often than not, these numbers based on pure math cannot be repeated on a weekly, let alone annual basis. Another area of improvement that DK has to work on is dropping passes. Happened multiple times over the past few weeks. Inexcusable when you're creating the separation that DK is against opposing defenders. If you're that wide open, you have to catch the football. That's a problem he had at Ole Miss as well, dating back to his time in college. Nonetheless, he has exceeded expectations across the board. He looks like a steal for the Seahawks when they drafted him in the second round, 64th overall in 2019, out of Ole Miss. And those that took the gamble on him anywhere in the 103 to 108 mix. Most of the time, he was 104, 105 in ADP in 2019. You have to be thrilled with the results, and you have a potential elite commodity in your hands, a building block of dynasty rosters. Once again, I'm just concerned about the touchdown rate. Outside of that, everything else looks great. He looks like the next coming of Calvin Johnson or T.O., just that big size speed freak of nature athletically that is really difficult for defenses to contain no matter the coverage. That being said, DK Metcalf has been an overachiever this year based on the ratio of touchdown catches to receptions and the fact that not many people expected him to break out to this caliber of production entering week 12 of the season. And last but not least, how about Noah Fant? I think he's been an underachiever, a popular breakout candidate who started the season out strong, but has cooled off considerably since. In weeks one and two, how about five, 81, one receiving line with six targets, and then a four, 57, one receiving line with five targets. First two weeks, we thought we had a superstar in the making in Noah Fant. Since then, no more than seven receptions or 55 yards receiving in a game and zero touchdowns week three and beyond. Shocking but true. Injuries have not helped Noah Fant's cause as he has dealt with a lingering ankle issue and recent rib ailments. That's never going to really bode well for any player in the NFL. Single-digit PPR output in six of his nine games played this season. That's a red flag for me. Even tight end, if you're going to be a top-tier tight end, you can't be putting up single-digit points in full PPR in six of your nine games played. His 39-422 two receiving log, 58 targets, is respectable and puts him in the weekly tight end one conversation, yet he has not capitalized on the absence of Cortland Sutton, and that's when I thought the breakout was going to be legit. Denver's wide receivers post Cortland Sutton this year have benefited more than Fant, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick. For some reason, Fant whether it be because of the injuries or the role, hasn't been able to capitalize on the absence of Sudden. Even when Albert O was healthy before he tore his ACL, he was getting work alongside, if not in favor of Fant. So I think that Fant has been a bit overblown hype-wise this season, a bigger name than actual fantasy asset at this time. He's been an underachiever accordingly. I'm not jumping ship, but just something I wanted to bring up and discuss on this week's show. That does it. For this week's program, a quick recap of over-underachievers entering week 12, already 11 weeks through the season, hard to believe. I have Justin Herbert as an overachiever, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, underachiever, Stefan Diggs, overachiever, DK Metcalf, overachiever, Noah Fant, underachiever. Any questions, join Patreon. It's only a dollar per show, only four or five dollars per month, unless you want to pledge more, which is always much appreciated. The best and only way to message me with your fantasy questions and also gain access to a bonus show per week. It's a great community we have on the platform of Patreon. Definitely recommend you giving it a shot. Helps me out a lot. And you also get all the bonus information you would want out of me in the process. It's a win-win for both of us. Until next time, this is the Dynasty Do Checking Out. Good luck to everybody in week 12 and happy Thanksgiving to all. See ya.